So we have been, this is our fifth Bible study on the nature, the purpose, and the power of Scripture. And there's definitely been a lot that we've gone over. Um, this is the third installment of the implanted word, spiritual milk of the word, the word of God, the word of Christ, and the word of truth. We've went over the titles of the Bible. You know, all of these names are so important and it's good for us as Christians to go over because it helps us with our understanding of God and understanding of his word. And so just going over the, the titles of the names of scriptures, it helps us um, just in our walk with the Lord. When we look at God's word, we want to read, study, and just apply it to our lives. And I find what's so great about scripture is where you're at in life, how God speaks to you through his word. It may be different when you're a teenager than when you're you know, 45 years old or whatever. Even if you're going through a, um, let's say it's a bad season or something, and then you're going through a good season, you read it again. So there's a lot of depth in there. Tonight we're going to learn about the oracles of God and the holy scriptures, which is also found in God's word. So just so many different titles for scripture. Um, one of my favorites has been talking about the word of Christ, having that dwell within us, or the idea of the implanted word. When we talk about faith comes through hearing the word of God, it's like a seed that is planted within you, and that seed will grow, and you will have the... Uh, grow in the knowledge of who God is to believe in the Lord. And then that same um, growing faith, if you will, that same seed um, will help you in your growth of, um, with the Lord and, and knowing his scripture as well. So what I want us to do, I want us to pray real quick, and then we'll go ahead and get started with uh, learning about the holy scriptures and the oracles of God. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for giving us your word. We thank you for giving us the ability to open the pages of the Holy Scripture. You give us the ability to read, to study, and to apply your word to our lives. We know, and or we should know, that your word is truth and that your word is life. And we'd rather be challenged with truth than to find something that's easy, that's not truth. And there's so much that we can learn from your word, so much that we can um, learn about who you are, learn about your son, Jesus Christ, and the wonderful biblical insights that can just help us grow in you. We ask that tonight you can help us have a better understanding of the Holy Scripture scripture, sacred writings, and the oracles of God. We ask that you're with us tonight as we delve into your word. We know that you are with us, so we ask that you speak to us tonight. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So tonight we are in your notes. You'll see that we are finishing up the just the titles and the names of scripture. So it's finally, we've finally gone through um, 
a big portion of them. <laughs> There's some other ones in there, but that's the main emphasis of this, was going over the titles and the names of Scripture. And our first, our first verse that we're going to go over is going to be on page 1116 in your ESV Pew Bibles. It's going to be Romans chapter 1, um, verses 1 through 2. So like we've done before, we are going to go over the context. It's very important to know what is contextually going on in the Word of God, but then also the connections that we find in Scripture. Okay, so Book of Romans. We'll just read um, chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, so just right at the beginning of Romans. So it says here, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. All right, so we're just going to stop right there. I know there's a lot more depth into that, and Romans is one of the uh, very, very deep books that we can <laughs> spend years on. Um, there's one church I've known that uh, has gone over o- over a hundred sermons going over Romans. So I, I, I realize there's a lot more into this, but um, we're just going over those first two verses. And when we're looking at these, um, these two verses, the first question that comes up is, what do you think it means that Paul was set apart for the gospel of God? How might you also be set apart to share the good news of Jesus? Now, granted, I understand that Paul is addressing himself as the apostle, but the idea of being set apart is something that um, we can look into. So take time to go ahead and write some thoughts or at least think about it or feel free to respond. I want to give you a couple moments as, um, as we go. We'll go into that. Yep, it's, it's a very good question. I wanted to ask it before we go further into it. It's just to kind of challenge you a little bit. Um, but it's definitely a good question. Like, are we called to be like Paul? Are we called? Because um, in the verse you're seeing here, called to be an apostle, right? Someone who's set apart for the gospel of God. So... Would that mean being set apart as being an apostle or perhaps for the gospel of God? Well, we, we start off these first two verses, right? We have Paul who's addressing himself as the servant of Jesus Christ. Some translations would say bond servant or slave, but he's saying he is establishing his apostleship, one who is used to serve the Lord, right? He is serving his giving his life and his dedication for the cause of Christ. And it goes on making mention that he is called specifically to be an apostle. So the word apostle is defined in the Greek as an ambassador of the gospel. I found that definition to be really good, right? Being an ambassador for the good news. One who has been commissioned to be a delegate. Yeah, so there's the, it's it's being specifically called forth by God, right? Um, So 
when you're looking up the Greek definition, there's certain definitions that are very easy. Okay, well, we should all be ambassadors of God, or we should all, um, you know, we should be delegates. But the specific thing that's different with apostleship is being appointed by the Lord, if you will. Um, so then there's this idea of being set apart. Now, being set apart is being defined as someone who is appointed by the Lord, right? So there's that nice little connection with apostleship and being set apart. So Paul is going off with the establishment of his God-given authority, that God had appointed him to be an apostle. Paul has been chosen to serve the Lord and to be that ambassador for Christ. I know that there's um, some Christians that I know who love using that same similar kind of language of being an ambassador for Christ, being a representation, if you will, when you're living. And I think that's fine. Um, but that certainly would be a little, a little bit more, a little different than what we're talking here specifically with Paul's apostleship. So... Then you see the language of the gospel of God. Now, this language, the gospel of God, is saying that it's the, when we think of the gospel, we're thinking of the good news that comes from God. Well, what is the good news, right? The good news of God is the revelation. It is the redemption, the telling of Jesus Christ, okay? Because when you're looking contextually in these first two um, verses, you see later on the prophets in the Holy Scriptures promising beforehand, then you have the gospel of God. So there's like this separation between the Old Testament and the New Testament, if you will. And I found that to be very interesting that we see that there is that separation there. And as we have previously gone over in our study, we talked about the mystery of Christ and the mystery of the gospel where the Lord was hiding the coming of Jesus Christ. God had to hide the coming forth of his son so that the prophecy could be fulfilled. Um, and I, I always think that's very interesting that, well, why didn't God just reveal it just immediately? Well, there had to have been the divine appointment, the time frame in which how everything would play out. When we think of God being outside of time and space. I know that's very hard for us to wrap our minds around because we like timelines. We think of being in one place at once, but God existing outside of that, when he's putting his hand into time, if you will, it's all setting how Christ would come into motion. So there's things that were hidden to the, um, to the Jewish people. They didn't know about what was being foretold. They might have known about specific prophecies, um, but it was hidden until the appropriate time, right? The specific time where Christ would be born to fulfill prophecy. So that's something, it's definitely a harder one, but we know biblically that, yes, Jesus Christ had to be hidden, if you will, but eventually revealed. And we are blessed to know about the good news of the gospel or the, in this sense, the gospel of God. And since Christ came, Paul's mission, right, is to tell the world about Jesus Christ, right? He's being appointed by God to spread, to tell the world about Jesus Christ, that salvation is free to all who believe. 
So this good news is life-changing to all who hear it. To be appointed by God to go out into the world and, and to tell the good news or um, to be given specific spiritual gifts when you think of um, those who are called to be pastors or those who are called to be evangelists or those who are called to be teachers. I, I always have found it very interesting that if you neglect that, that's not a good thing, that God will eventually lead you to certain things. I, I know in my own story, um, there were times where I was like, I don't know if, if God really wants to call me into just ministry at all. There were times where I was discouraged or times where, um, let's just say, leaders failed me. But the lesson I had to learn is that leaders can and sometimes they will fail you. But God doesn't fail you. And it took me a very long time to realize that. But I'm glad that over time I did. Because we shouldn't put our trust in a specific person, like a human, a normal everyday human, but rather our trust should be on Jesus Christ. And I, I think, you know, I think a great deal of Pontius Pilate when he asks the question, what is truth? And he doesn't stay long enough to find the answer out, you know? Because Christ could have answered, but he does go out and say, I see no wrong that this man did and tries to have him released. So it, a light bulb did go off, but I, whenever I've read that, I've kind of wanted Christ to be like, hello, you know, I, I, I am the truth, you know. Um, but it's just, uh, even, even when, even if you neglect God's call for your life, God will work on your heart. God will work on you. And I have found that when you follow God's call, there's a lot of peace that comes through it. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that go for you when you're listening to him. And you know, we talk about submission, we talk about following God's will and way. You know, going back to our verse in, with the Apostle Paul, God had called him, right? Um, God calls us to different capacities. He calls us with um, Obviously, the Lord calls us all to know him, to have that relationship, to believe in the Lord Jesus. What specifically God calls us to do upon that foundation in faith, that's going to look different, you know? Um, when we talk about pastors, evangelists, right? We talk about um, even gifts, right? When we think of speaking in tongues, when we talk about all of these different ministries that are out there, um, I sure hope that the people who are utilizing these gifts, they have been called and they have been gifted correctly to use those gifts. Um, so back to the verse in, in Romans, it was saying that the gospel of God is the revelation of Jesus Christ coming into the world. And that verse is saying he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And something that we can take away in all of this, kind of piggybacking off of what we've been talking about, is that our God is consistent and our God is constant. He doesn't change, we do. <laughs> our culture changes, right? Um, if we think of, you know, 
scientific discoveries or we think of what was acceptable in culture at one time period is not acceptable to another is something that is pretty crazy, right? You see fashion trends go in and out. You see different things are changing, but yet God doesn't change and God provides his way. And it's up to us to decide, are we going to follow his way? Or are we not going to, we're going to follow the ways of the world? Or are we going to follow the ways of God? Um, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the Holy Scriptures in this context in Romans is talking about the Old Testament and how they are connected with the gospel accounts of Jesus Christ. And there is a similarity that we find with the Holy Scriptures and just the word scripture. When you're seeing holy scriptures, it's the emphasis on the divine inspiration that comes from the Lord, right? When we think of just scripture, it's talking about the Old Testament. I, I, I want us to turn. There's going to be two verses we're going to turn to. Um, the first one is going to be Matthew 21, 42. It's going to be page uh, 983. Matthew 21, 42. Jesus said to them, Have you not read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So here we have, it's right after the, you have the parable of the two sons and the parable of the tenants. Right? So Jesus is mentioning the scriptures, right? the Old Testament, if you will, um, the Pentateuch even. Then we go on into uh, John chapter 5. Uh, John chapter 539. I'll put that on the screen. Um, so John 539. This is when... Um, Jesus is speaking to the um, speaking to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures because you think that in in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So it's this talking about. There's the mentioning of scriptures, right? Searching the scriptures, they point to Jesus Christ. When we're thinking of the Old Testament, we have to think about how, when we're talking about the mystery or how God was hiding things, all of it was to point to Jesus Christ, the, the changer of history, right? By providing salvation for all. And although it's not saying the holy scriptures, it is talking about the scriptures, none, yeah, nonetheless. And, and that brings us to a next question is what stood out to you or what stands out to you about the way Jesus quoted and referred to scripture in Matthew 21, 42 and John chapter 5, verse 39? What can we learn from his example here? So I want us to think about these two verses, take a moment to reflect, write, or... Um, 
say what comes to mind. When you get so caught up in um, rituals or rules, right? You can get... Think of the energy that you put into something, right? When you're putting um, so much energy into... um, woodworking or energy into quilting or energy into working out you eventually get to a point where this is the way things have to be done and there's no other way the same can apply to religion if you will i know it, it, it's simplified of do versus done right which is a very simplistic way of looking at it but the pharisees had had been stuck in their way so much that even when Jesus is pointing it out to them, they still reject it. And, and how, how interesting is that it's no different than even the disciples of Christ. When you think about um, Peter out in the sea, right? When, when Jesus is walking on water, and I, I think of the old cartoons or the old videos where he's sinking out in sea, right? And then Jesus is pulling him up and Jesus is asking, well, why did you doubt? Well, I mean, that's, that's your own disciple. Why, yet there's still that doubt. Or when Peter is denying Jesus or when Thomas is doubting, you have all of these, I, I think that's just people, you know? We all have, I think we get set in our ways at times. What is it? It's in John where he heals the... Um, Jesus heals the blind man and the Pharisees are asking the parents what is it that has happened and the parents say ask him he can speak for himself he's an adult and the reason why they did that is because if they had spoken on their kids accord they would have been kicked out of the synagogue which is very interesting there's a similarity that we can see, and, and unfortunately, even in churches, you don't dress a certain way. You're not welcome in this church. You don't behave a certain way. How is that any different than the Pharisees saying, if you believe this certain thing, or if you, or whatever it is, you're not allowed to come in? So I, I would say they're, they're more focused on their religion, their tradition, their structured belief system if you will that they when truth is being revealed to them they don't want it you know what i i i like the law right when when you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life which is a very hard verse in of itself right what we find we can have eternal life in belief about jesus but to search the scriptures thinking that they have eternal life without Christ. So to me, that would, be, that would be very interesting. You can search the scriptures and try to find eternal life without the Lord. That's kind of a scary verse <laughs> if you think about it, you know? Um, so we're mentioning the scriptures, the holy scriptures. In the context of these verses, it's talking about the Old Testament, right? The prophets, um, the Pentateuch. But we can also read when scripture is mentioned or holy scriptures, it can also mean the entirety of our Bible. In any case, though, 
these verses should help us with our faith and understanding. And I think this is a very critical point that the Old Testament should not be a book that is neglected or overlooked. It is something that should be studied. It is something that helps us understand how things were done compared to how things are. A big example is, um, and well, actually, I'll bring this up a little bit later, is Levitical priests, where you had to offer sacrifice, right, to atone for your sins, if you will. Well, in Hebrews, it mentions that Christ was the high priest, so to speak, and there was the once-for-all sacrifice. So there's no longer a need for Levitical priests, and we find that in Scripture. And so... In order to understand that, though, we have to know well, what do you mean the high priest? If like if you completely cut out the Old Testament and you read that that Jesus is okay, he's becoming the high priest and that he died for our sins. Okay, well, I don't understand what high priest means. You have to have that context, that connection that's found with the Old Testament. Um, so the entirety of the Bible, it all of the books, it's helpful for us in understanding who God is and the growing of our faith. We need to establish what matters first and foremost is having faith in Jesus Christ by believing in him and receiving the gift of salvation. This gift is free for all who believe, and just like how Paul is sold out for Christ, he wishes to tell the world of the gospel of God, we too should be encouraged to share in the good news of the gospel. And now I'd like for us to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to put that on the slide here. It's going to be page 1182. At the beginning of our study, we went over verse 16, that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, right? And the language that was used about the origin of Scripture was talking about how God breathed in his breath of life, right? We have received this inspirational book, this divinely inspired book, right, which makes the Bible elevated. And we should always look at Scripture as unlike any other book that we have. We think of Shakespeare, we think of science books, textbooks. I mean, I have a big accounting book that I'm not studying right now, but I needed something hard to write on. Um, we have all of these different books with information, but it's very different than the knowledge that we receive from God, the wisdom that we receive from God, the divine insights, the learning about Jesus Christ and his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, all of that. So we went over that verse in the very beginning. I think that was the first verse we went over is how scripture is breathed out by God, right? God breathed life into us and he breathed out his breath of life, so to speak, into the words of God. So we'll see that connection. But also there are, two, there are three words I want you to look at here. In verse 15, at least in the ESV, it's saying the sacred writings. So it says here, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
then it says all scripture is breathed out by God. What does your translation say in that, in verse 15? So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Holy scripture? Okay, so what's very interesting is that in the... Um, I might have mentioned these outlines I originally got from a little book. It's from the 1920s. It's called um, Outline Bible Studies. It's by, I think his name is William Baker. Um, they're very, very difficult to find that book. In that, in the original outline, it'll say Holy Scriptures because the um, writer was using the KJV. And there is a discrepancy. Well, maybe, maybe that's the wrong word. There's a difference in translation for that wording for um, childhood being acquainted with sacred writings. Now, when you see in verse 16 how all Scripture is breathed out, that is the same word that we have been using for... Um, the John 5.39, the Matthew 21 verse, and the Romans verse. That is the same Greek word for scripture. The Greek that is used for specifically for 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15, it's a different word, but it can mean holy scripture. It can mean sacred writing. So it's, um, it's not the exact word, but it's similar. Okay, so that's just something to keep in mind that um, traditionally it has been used to mean holy scriptures. There are some translations that say sacred writings. There's a kind of a debate on which one to go with because it's slightly different. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, I would say it's really the same thing. <laughs> it's referencing the Old Testament at that point. So how he's... Because when he's writing to Timothy, how from childhood you've been acquainted with, we would call it the Holy Scriptures. I think that's very accurate. So another way to call it would be you've been trained with the sacred writings. So it's just kind of another way of saying it. It's just a an, kind of an odd word that's being used here. Um, let me go to the... So the question I had on here is in what ways... Is scripture able to make us wise? But hold on to that question before we go into that. Um, yeah, the ESV is saying sacred writings, but regardless, it's still referencing the Old Testament. So how you um, translate that, it's still mentioning the Old Testament. It's just not the same exact word. So I, I'm thinking the reason why they're doing that is because it's not the same consistent scripture word that's been used as the other ones. Yeah, because there is a, it, it's a separation between the entirety of scripture and, and the way that's written. If, if it, let's assume it's holy scripture. Well, that would be the same as saying the Old Testament, right, as we've been talking about. Um, if it's sacred writings, well, he, he would just be saying these are the sacred writings of the prophets. It's just another way of saying that. When you're going into verse 16, when it's talking about all of Scripture, that would be used as the entirety of the Bible, right? Like what you're talking about with pastors, evangelists, teachers, and all of that. So it's just some, It's a very interesting thing when you find a slight variation in the Greek language or when you're using the Old Testament, a slight variation in the Hebrew language. So I did want to point that out. I think that's a big reason why I, I make mention that we shouldn't neglect, we should not neglect the Old Testament. Because when even though we're living in the New Testament, 
time where, let's say, post-Christ's death and resurrection, um, I don't like using post so much, but after the fulfillment of prophecy, um, that doesn't invalidate. I know there's the verse that says, um, when Christ said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, right? Well, we're not looking at the Old Testament as something we throw away. We can still reference it, even with the prophecies that are being fulfilled. And, I mean, granted, you find Christ referencing the Old Testament. You find a lot of references, so that helps you with that. And I, I hope that that all makes sense. Um, sacred writings, it's, it's the same meaning, it's the same... Um, it's just some translations would say sacred writings, others would say holy scripture, um, and the all scripture is the same as the Romans 1-2, the John 5-39, and the Matthew 21-42. So it's, it's interesting when you find a slight variation, and that's okay. Both of them are speaking of the word of God. That's, that's the main point of this. And in researching this, in preparing this lesson, when we go over all of Scripture, right, the divine inspiration of the Word of God, it, it's just remarkable that God has been there in Scripture, and he's known all along. When we talk about prophecies being fulfilled in the Old Testament, are all of them fulfilled? Well, no. Some of them are still yet to come. And I don't believe that God is wrong. I don't believe that God is a liar. I do believe that God fulfills his promises. He fulfills the prophecy will be fulfilled one way or another. It's just the timing. And, and see, that's, it's unfortunate when people are like, oh, well, there, you know, let's just say there's five prophecies that are not fulfilled. Not yet. That, that's the big thing, right? Um, I want us to turn, um, do a slight turn. Or actually, no, it's in the back of your notes. There's two verses that... We're, I just want them there for reference. Philippians 2.16, it makes mention of the word as the word of life. I love that kind of language. And then following John chapter 6, verse 63, where Jesus says, the words that I have spoken to you our spirit and life. The mention of all scripture makes mention to all of the inspired word of God. All of these names and these titles are connected with one another. They help us with our walk with the Lord. And now it's time for us to turn our Bibles and learn about the oracles of God. It's our final part, but before I go any further, are any of us pressed on time? So oracles of God, it only shows up three times in the Bible. Now, the word oracles shows up four times in the Bible. But I'm going to specifically focus on oracles of God. Three times in the Bible, and they should all be in your notes. Romans chapter 3, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. And 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. So I want us to go ahead and turn to Romans 
chapter 3, verse 2. It's going to be page 1,118. And we'll just begin with verse 1. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 3. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Ooh, that's a tough question to ask, right? (laughs) Much in every way to begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. Okay? So that's where we see oracles. So what significance does the word oracles have in referring to the word of God? Why is this an important descriptor? Before we go any further, I want to ask that question. Take a moment and think about this question. It's defined as an utterance. A utterance, yeah, is something that is spoken. So that's your hint. <laughs> but we'll go further into it. I just wanted to see if initially there's anything that comes to mind when we're talking about oracles. I know there's a company out there named Oracle. Um, And then oracles, you might hear it more in um, in antiquity, like Greek mythology or Roman mythology. So it's unusual to find it in scripture, though. But there's a reason for it, and it's very interesting. So yeah, take a moment and just... So when we're looking at this verse, Paul is asking the question, right, in verse 1 about what the advantage the Jews had. And he answers this question by saying that the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. So the oracles, so think about that. God giving something, entrusting the oracles. what What are the oracles? It's defined as the utterances of God or the words that are spoken by God. What you'll find very interesting is that oracles are talking specifically about divine messages, revelations, or word to God's people. Doesn't this sound very, very similar to something else, to perhaps the word in the beginning was the word? Does that sound, it sounds very similar, right? So what it is, is the difference between Logos and Logia, L-O-G-I-A, as opposed to Logos or Logos, Logia or Logia, depending on who you ask. Um, Very similar words. So Logos, we've gone over previously, has to do with the Word, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, right? We learn about The word became flesh, right? We learned about the word of Christ, Christ being the word. Well, this is slightly different. The logia, right? This, I'll just say the oracles. The oracles is more of a broad term that speaks of the things that have been said, the more of the messages that have come from God, the words that are spoken from God. So it's similar, but they're not the same. So when we're thinking of oracles versus the word, the word is more specific to Christ. 
the oracles would be more of like the sayings of old, the sayings of God, the divine um, inspiration, if you will. So it's a more of a broad overview. So historically, oracle has been, uh, like I was mentioning, antiquity, right? The oracles of what did Zeus say, right? Or what did another god say? So it's more of that kind of language that was used. Um, so I find it to be very interesting that that word is being used, um, especially, I mean, when we're, we're looking at um, the fact that this is written, the book of Romans being written to Rome, right? So you have to think part of the audience would be the Romans who worshipped other gods. So using the word oracles would make a lot of sense. <laughs> so these are words that are spoken and words that are divine, that come from God, the sayings of God. So the oracles of God in this sense, right, like I said, they are divine words that come from God and they were entrusted to the Jewish people. And what a privilege it must be to have the words that are spoken, that were written down into the holy scriptures, if you will. What a blessing that must be to have that. And at that time in the Old Testament, the Jews had access to that. But then that goes into the mystery of Christ, Christ being revealed, the mystery of the gospel, that it is no longer hidden, but it is now open and available for all who believe. So it's just a wonderful connection with the Old Testament to the New Testament. And as we go, so there's a couple more verses because I want to show you the oracles of God as there's only three verses total. I want us to keep in mind that these are... They're speaking of God's words, right? But it's different than the word of God. This is more of the sayings, right? This is more of the words of God, messages, divine revelation. So I want us to turn to our next verse. It's going to be page 1,190. In, uh, it's going to be Hebrews. Oh, let's see. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 12, I put that on the screen, so it's page 1,190 in the ESV Pew Bible. All right, so Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, for by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of what? Of the oracles of God. Is that consistent? Is that what? All of our translations say the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Now, you've heard me mention in sermons about how going from milk to solid food, from being a baby Christian to becoming learning the deeper things of God and his word. And I'm going to put a question up here, but I just want to say this much. It's very interesting how in the context of this Hebrew passage, of why you're going from milk to solid food, right? Typically, it's, oh, you're a new Christian. You need milk of the word. Then you're going to grow. But for this one, it's more like a rebuke. <laughs> you need someone to teach you again <laughs> the basic principles, right? We need to go over it with you again. So the question that comes up is, 
why do you think the writer of Hebrews emphasizes going back to the oracles of God? I kind of gave you a little bit of an answer, but I want to ask you around. Um, for those who are struggling spiritually, what should this teach us? So take a moment and write in your notes or think about an answer on that. Well, you bring, you bring up a very, very good question here. So uh, you have some churches, and, and mind you, when I talk about other churches, I'm not criticizing them, okay? Um, you have some churches that are focusing on the basics, right? Come to the Lord Jesus, make a decision for Christ. That is the most important thing about us as churches. Well, what about growing in Christ? What about learning about what it means to be a Christian? I, I really like the, um, I think it's Rick Warren that has the book that says, um, I'm a Christian, now what? <laughs> right? It's at least that title is, is very true, though, where it's like, okay, I'm a Christian. Well, now what, do, what, what has to happen after? Um, but unfortunately, I think there's a number of churches out there that they focus on everyone making a decision for Christ, rightfully so, but they stop there. And they focus on, well, let's, let's just bring in as many people as possible, or let's mobilize people to go serve the community. These things are fine, but there has to be depth in what you do. There has to be, what, what you don't want is, you know, when you hear people talk about I know a lot of people like to talk about false teachers and false theology and whatnot, but if you teach your congregation the word of God, do you really think you'd have a problem with that, you know? Um, what does the word of God say and what does it mean and how does that apply to our lives? Sometimes we'll find things like, I don't know how this is applying, um, but there has to be this sense of uh, discipleship. There has to be this sense of um, spiritual growth. I would say part of it is sometimes they're, they're not getting it. That's very, that's very normal, right? Some, some congregations, they're just here and they made a decision for Christ and they don't want to go any deeper. That's a possibility. The other possibility is the infrastructure of the church not having things available for someone to go deeper in the word. And I'm not saying membership because I know a lot of churches will say, oh, well, that's what membership's for. Well, yes and no. It's part of it, but I mean, when is the last, Here, here's a challenge for you. Have you ever been to a church that has preached on Song of Solomon? Think about that. Okay. All right. All right. So, okay. We got one, which is great. Praise God. But Ecclesiastes? Job? Like, why are these not taught? Now, I know Song of Solomon is a very, very difficult book. I understand that. I'm not denying that. I'd like to go over it one day. But the thing is, most churches are teaching the Gospels, which is fine. And like I said, I'm not criticizing them for doing that. It's what is the consequence of not going more in depth in the Word of God? Um, I encourage every church I go to, whether, whether I'm a pastor or whether I'm just a congregant, is have a church. That is what you're about. Learning the word of God, learning the truth of scripture, how to defend the word of God, how to share in your faith, those kind of things. 
it's not just about, oh, let's have the latest and greatest rock show. Let's have the uh, fog machines and, and lasers. And it's not all about that. You know, it's knowing the, you got to know the book. <laughs> you got to know why you're a Christian. Okay, you come to know the Lord, come to know the the depths of scripture. That's why I've always found it such, and, and I think that is my favorite verse in scripture is, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. The glory of kings is to discover that thing. And part of the role of a pastor or a teacher even is to help the congregation learn these deeper things of God. I think that's a wonderful thing, but churches that aren't teaching it's very sad. Um, there is another organization I I know the president of. It's called Discipleship Journeys with Jesus. Um, his, the guy's name is Mark Allen Williams. You can look him up sometimes. He used to work with um, DCPI, Dynamic Church Planting International. And he began an organization called Discipleship Journeys with Jesus specifically because it is such a problem for churches to have discipleship programs that he created an entire ministry translating in different languages, um, you know, Zulu or Spanish or Korean and all these different languages so that churches can use it as a resource for discipleship. Well, I love what he's doing, but at the same time, I'm like, do you realize why he made that? It's because there's not depth in teaching. <laughs> Which is a very unfortunate thing. And, and I just, the whole idea is for us to be mature, we can minister to others. We can discern what is right and wrong. There's a lot of benefits in knowing the word of God. That's a big reason why you want to have um, scripture speak for itself. It's why you focus on the, I keep saying this, the context and the connections. You need to have those things in place. You don't want to just pull things out of a hat. A great example is when, Scripture says all things are permissible. Well, that's a complete blatant cherry-picking of the verse. So what happens as a joke? What happens if a pastor, what, what happens if a um, pastor comes up and says all things are um, permissible? Because it is in Scripture. Um, if you cherry-pick that, um, you could be leading someone down a very, very, wrong path. What is that? First Corinthians um, chapter 10, verse 20 thing, 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. <laughs> all things are lawful, but not all things build up. So it depends on the translation, but I think uh, the translation of that verse I've known is all things are permissible, right? So if you can imagine someone pulling that out, hey guys, we can do whatever we want in the name of the Lord and everyone say amen. Well, that's a clear uh, cherry picking of that. You have to look at the context and the Apostle Paul is actually saying that's not the case in that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah, it, which is exactly like I, I've had people ask, do you do book by book or do you do um, topical? And the response to that is, I do both. I like doing book by book. When I'm doing a topic, I have to treat it as though it's um, an exposition. That's why you hear me say it's a thematic exposition 
meaning the verses that I'm referring to, I'm going to treat it no different than if I was doing a book by book. So in other words, it's still exposition, but it's a theme, so a thematic exposition. You're having a topic that's being treated with the care of, a, of an exposition. So you have, if someone says, oh, are you topical or are you expository? That's the wrong question. It's, are you expository? Then are you a thematic expositor or are you a verse by verse or chapter by chapter, line by line? Um, because you can be a, um, you can have themes and topics that are not um, biblical exposition, but you can have some that are very, um, have a lot of richness to them. That's why with going over Christ as a creator, redeemer, and sustainer, that's basically passages from Colossians, the very beginning of Colossians. Um, so it's kind of, you have to have that intentionality in that because if you don't have the depth of scripture or the wisdom of scripture, you are you putting in something that's contrary to scripture um, and how easy is that to use you know it's just definitely something to think about so um right so so check this out okay i'm, I'm gonna just read what i wrote so you can understand this this is a, this is very interesting so this is a verse where it's a rebuke right some people who they should be at a place where they're able to teach but they're not so they have to go back to the basics, right? Okay, that is pretty cut and dry. Why is it being said, though? That's a harder question. So what appears to be happening in these verses that are leading up to it has to do with Jesus being the high priest who is offered as the atoning sacrifice. This is to say that when Christ died on the cross, paid for our sins once and for all. Let me show you, okay? Um, let's go to chapter 9, okay? So Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 12, okay? When Christ appeared as a high priest for the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and of calves, but by what? Means of his own blood. Thus securing, and I love these verses, eternal redemption. So, you have to go a little bit further into understanding why that was being brought up, but if you do go back to Go back to chapter 5 in Hebrews. I wanted to show you verse 9 so you can understand chapter 5 in Hebrews, which leads up to that verse 12, okay? For every high priest chosen among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifice for sins. The old Levitical priests, right? That's what he's talking about, what they had to do. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of, he, because of this, he is obligated to offer for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed, okay, appointed by the Lord, by him who said to him, 
you are my son, today I have begotten you. So that's from the father, right? Verse 6, he also says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, okay? Verse 7, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through which he suffered, right? Think so it's mentioning the um, Gethsemane, right? Take this cup away from me, right? But he, he ends up, he was the son, he learned obedience he, through what he suffered. After being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him by being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, okay? So that's setting the stage for that verse 12. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull in hearing. For through, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. So, what is happening here, right? So we went back to the oracles of God of what is happening. It was the misunderstanding of the high priest, okay? The writer is saying that these people don't understand why the Levitical priesthood, right, that offers sacrifices, why it's no longer needed. So because of this, they had to go back to the basics, so contextually, yes, they, it's saying you need to go back to the basics and understand why you don't need a high priest. So going back to the basics was going back to the oracles of God, going back to the utterances of the Lord. And it hits home when we think of nowadays that if we fell into a false theology, if we learned something that was contrary to what scripture says even if we do fall into false theology we can always go back to the basics and have a refresher okay so all that to say even if we don't fall into false theology it's good to have a refresher at times right so it's good and i'm not saying always have milk but even if you are having that solid food it's okay to drink milk from time to time and be refreshed, if you will, with the truth of Scripture. So that's, all of this is all connected and just kind of learning about how um, Christ as the high priest, that's why we don't have the Levitical priesthood anymore. So the question comes up, do we need a high priest? Well, according to these verses, the answer is no. And it's very clear in there. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's definitely, there's nothing wrong with just starting over, you know, um, starting over with, you know, going back to John 3.16 or going back to in the beginning, right? Going back to those. Um, right, right. And, and sometimes it's necessary just to make sure that maybe it's to help check yourself as well. It's just those kind of, I, I know we've been definitely going over a lot with this. We have one more verse, one final verse here. It's going to be 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 to 11. It's on the screen. So 1,206, um, 1 Peter chapter 4, 
verses 10 to 11. Okay, let's start at verse 7. Okay, the end of all things is at hand. Ain't that true? <laughs> right. Therefore, what is, what is Peter saying here? Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. All right. <laughs> right? Without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that everything in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Very powerful verse there, right? So, next question is, what wisdom does Peter give here about using our spiritual gifts? How can we ensure that we are relying on God's strength rather than our own when we serve? So take a moment to think about that. So we see that Peter is writing for believers to be prepared for the end times. And it's a great reminder we don't know the time when Christ will return. These verses are a reminder for us to be prepared nonetheless. Be prepared. We can be prepared with Christ returning by having a relationship with him, by the study of scripture, sharing in our faith. Practice discernment. There's many ways that we can prepare. And when this verse says, as one who speaks oracles of God, Peter is speaking about ones who are able to speak the word of the Lord. Peter is using the oracles of God. He's talking about people speaking God's words. It is an emphasis on the authority of God's word to those who speak it whether that's a pastor or a teacher, an evangelist, or someone who's prophesying, those who speak from God's word, they have to speak with the servant's heart. It's not for personal gain. It's about doing the work of the Lord. Just like with those who have the ability to speak as serving God and people, we should serve with what God has given to us. So this verse goes on to say that the strength that God supplies, it's a reference to that God will give us the strength to be able to reach out to others, to those who are in need, and how God moves in us and through us. It varies from person to person. It might just be being present with someone and just being there, listening to their story. It might be going out in the street and holding a sign saying, Jesus saves, right? It could be one of those. I always have respect for people who do um, street ministry. I mean, that's, it's a very difficult ministry to be able to do, but God supplies with that. 
how they're able to withstand being yelled at or, you know, whatever the public does, right? Um, But whatever it is that God provides, I think of, I always think of the story of Abraham and Isaac that God will provide a sacrifice in the same way God provides for us what we need to be able to do his work. Well, I, I think that goes with part of our final question, right? How do we steward the holy scriptures or the, or the oracles of God today, right? Being available for people is certainly one way, right? Um, you know, his word is now accessible to all believers, right? And how we live out our faith, right? How I do that or how you, that, how you do that it differs from person to person, but it's still with that heart of being able to steward what God has given to us, right? To boldly go out into the world. Um, we think of the oracles of God or the holy scriptures that his word is available to everyone. And I just find great comfort in all of that. So with this final question, feel free to um, write down in your notes or um, reflect on that. That's our final question for tonight. That's um, definitely th- something to think of. Well, with that, we have concluded our titles and names of Scripture. And it's all part of the, the theme, which this overarching theme is going to keep going. But um, the names of Scripture specifically, that portion of it is complete. Um, well, with, with that, um, yeah, we'll be going into, I think it's like the purity of, sculpture, of, of, of the purity of scripture, the, the description of scripture, I think is what it is. That would be the next one. So, well, with that, let's pray, and then we'll, we can go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, Father God, we thank you for giving us this time and this chance to delve in your holy scripture. And learn more about the oracles that come from you, the utterances, the word, the truth, the wisdom, and knowledge that comes from you. We ask that you are with us as we go from this place. May we be inspired by you and your word. May we grow in faith to know you, to grow in you, and to be more like your son, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Be with us this week. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.